Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again to do another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, we'll get a little BC preview here. Won't be the longest pod that we do all year, but uh, interesting game, pivotal moment in uh, first year of a coaching tenure, and uh, very much kind of a feeling as though could go in one or two very definitive directions here. Uh, as always, want to begin the podcast by thanking our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. As always, ask that you uh, keep them in mind, whether it be interacting on various forms of social media or if you're just making your way down your uh, local grocery store aisle. Great partner for us. Couldn't do what we have without them. And uh, certainly appreciate the support that they've received from our listenership. Absolutely. It's a great product. And, uh, you know, much like Louisiana Hot Sauce keeps it simple. I'm, I'm watching this, this Thursday night football game and I got an idea. Aaron Rodgers isn't doing anything on Saturday. I've got a great way for Florida State to beat Boston College. It's just, let's go get the guy who throws the ball 64 yards off balance for the touchdown against the Seahawks secondary. I, I think that he would totally end the quarterback controversy between DeAndre and James. This thing would be over. Florida State would most likely make a bowl, I think, if you put Aaron Rodgers behind, even behind this offensive line. I was going to say, maybe maybe a center and guard could drive down with him as well, but yeah. That would also work. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would definitely like to see that. But Boston College comes in here. They are. Uh, they're already bowl eligible. Having having a nice season, are the Eagles, and uh, they are favored by one and a half. The over under is uh, forty nine. Three thirty kickoff. So if you're not going to the game, certainly go to Madison Social and uh, and watch a couple of those games beforehand. If you're not in town, you can probably get a little bit of golf in that morning. 3.30 kickoffs are, uh, are are pretty solid. I'm, I'm always a big fan. Nooners, uh, to me, as media, are the best, but I know everybody else kind of hates noon games. So they're 7-3, and 4-2 and two in the league. Just came off a loss to Clemson, and, and there's some uncertainty built into our preview, man. Like, like They're playing differently this year, and then also they've got two kind of major injury concerns. But first, I, I wanted to go back to last year. Do, do you remember this team last year? Certainly remember the game that transpired last year. It's uh, one of the one of the more memorable outcomes of uh, Fisher's tenure and kind of the definitive moment where even those who were unsure as to if things had really fallen off, we all had to kind of collectively look at ourselves in the mirror and realize that it had gone south and it had gone south in a pretty nasty manner. 36% of that game's plays were in garbage time. Boston College won 35-3. to three. Uh, Florida State 20% success rate rushing. 30% success rate passing, 20% success rate on standard downs. It may shock you to learn that Florida State also did not have a whole lot of explosiveness in that game. Not not much at all. It kind of got progressively worse until Boston College just totally called off the dogs. They're, they, uh, they, they, they quit a little more per quarter. Florida State success rate by quarter, 33%, then 25%, then 18% in, in Q3. <laughs> That's, that's when everybody went into the into the locker room at halftime and really uh, really knew that they were going to make their final stand and, uh, and that circle around each other one final time. Impressive. Oh man, uh, ne- negative three in uh, in turnovers. You know, some a little bit of turnover luck there going against you certainly. And uh, two hundred thirteen total yards. Two hundred and thirteen total yards. Uh, and afterwards, we were told that this team did not quit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, that was a concerning sign for that team last year. I'm just going through this box score. Cam Akers, 2.3 yards a carry. Ryan Green got in the game, got, got some carries last year. Uh, A.J. Dillon, 33 carries, like an NFL back from the, the mid-90s, apparently, uh, for 149 yards, 4.52 per touch. 
Matthew Thomas was your leading tackler. God, did they miss him. And Roderick Hoskins, they also kind of miss him. Naquan Murray, uh, three catches on seven targets, uh, 43% catch rate. Apparently, Ryan Izzo didn't catch anything that night. One of six. Six targets, one catch to Ryan Izzo. Armand Lane was back in the lineup. One catch, four targets. Auden Tate, three targets, two catches, 12 yards. Wow, this game was bad. They also had a receiver throw pass. Remember that? The, uh, the, the reverse pass they hit there early on. Their quarterback in this game, Anthony Brown, 6 of 20 for 54 yards. I'd kind of forgotten about that, like how bad he was, and yet they still beat FSU by four or five scores. Cam Akers, 1 of 1 for 47 yards. Do you remember that pass? I, I'm not sure I do. I don't remember it immediately, no. I am glad that we broke it out in that game, though. That's when you need it. So I'm, I'm looking at this. Boston College blew out FSU despite the fact that overall they were 7 of 21 throwing the ball. One of those was obviously a receiver for 88 yards. 21 throws, 88 yards. They really shouldn't have thrown a pass at all. They should have just run the thing a, a, a million times. Anyway, so that's what happened last year. And to bring us full circle to this year, how many times are they going to line up and try to run the ball at a, a team that's been uh, been kind of exposed the past couple of weeks as far as uh, defense and inability to stop the run uh, after kind of a collective narrative had been created that perhaps it was one of this defense's uh, larger strengths. Yeah, and, and I I don't know that it wasn't, but man, the recent game, Florida State's run defense has been poor, uh, and that's been in games where we expected it to be and, and also in games where we did not expect it to be. Uh, see also NC State. Getting into this, Boston College offense comes in at 86th nationally. That's not very good. Florida State's defense is obviously better than that, but not by a whole lot after the last three weeks. That thing has been plummeting like a rock. One thing BC does very differently this year, this is still a Scott Leffler offense. They're a little more from shotgun, and uh, they are really like hyper-tempo, man. Have you seen how fast these guys are going? It's very, uh, it's very kind of un-BC like as far as what we mentally have in our head as to what we expect of them. It's uh, they're not Wake Forest or anything like that, and nobody really is. But it's an aggressive pace that they try to keep to. I mean, fourth nationally, and yeah, Wake, you know, number one nationally for a, a while this season was just absolutely insane. Wake was almost going too fast. Like they were, they were right. going yeah. fast, just yeah. to go fast. The crazy thing about BC is they're going fast with a with a damn six foot two hundred and fifty pound running back who you know will carry the ball high high twenties mid thirties seemingly seemingly with somewhat routine not really what you picture in your mind when you think of an offense like that yeah exactly they they uh, they they do go quick but but they, they run the ball a lot they, they, that's how they try to create their their explosive plays or at least one way the thing is they're not that good at running this year they just they just do it a lot. It's almost like uh, you ever seen somebody try to chop down a tree and they don't really have great form with an with an axe or a hatchet, but yet they just they're just going nuts on it and, and eventually that thing's going to fall. That's kind of what BC's run offense has been like this year. They're ninety eighth in run efficiency, but yet they run almost more often than anybody else, not including the the service academies and the triple option teams. That that's kind of the best way I can put that, I guess. If we uh, switch our, our focus a little bit to what Florida State may do uh, against this defense and, uh, or excuse me, against the offense and talked about the back a little bit, there's some 
questions as to if Dylan's healthy. Uh, the bigger storyline about health when you're talking about BC is is what condition that uh, Anthony Brown went to the hospital with uh, internal bruising or internal injuries. They said internal yeah. injuries after the Clemson game. Yeah, that's a that's a significant issue. It, it is, and and uh, on the conference call. BC coach Steve Adazio said that he was practicing and uh, and he expects him to be fine, I think was, was the language he used. Now, look, I have no idea if Steve Adazio is telling Fib here. He very well could be. If I was the head coach, I would probably do that. I can tell you that Florida State is probably smart pair for both guys. I went back and watched the huddle film uh, of the backup quarterback, EJ Perry. He's got some, some good wheels to him. Um, I, I would expect Boston College to – to do a lot of the same stuff that they do with Brown. He might be a little bit quicker than Brown, actually. I think Brown may, may be able to outstride him from a running perspective. If you look at the, at the year, though, Brown has not been – he's really not been that great of a passer. 58% completion rate. Now, yards per completion, 12.8. You know, marginal efficiency, negative 3%, which is not great, but it's not terrible. Sack rate, a little bit higher than you would expect for a kid – who's mobile with Boston College's offensive line, which is elite, you know, it's it's okay, like, but not special. E.J. Perry really hasn't been able to play very much. He, he did get to play against Clemson because Brown got knocked out on the first series of the game, really. Unfortunately, he kind of got, got uh, driven under the ground. And in the NFL, it's certainly going to be a penalty, but in college, uh, not so much. So I don't know that, like, a huge adjustment needs to be made. So somebody asked me and said, "Hey, with the spread being one and a half, if if Brown is announced as in or out, you know, where do you see this going?" I said, "I, I don't think it would move more than a point or two. I really don't. It, it's not like you're losing a, a Tom Brady or something out there. It, it's it's the Boston College quarterback. If he was really good, BC would probably have given Clemson a much better game. Well, I mean, assuming didn't get hurt, but uh, they, they would probably be be a ranked team at this point. So." I think if you're FSU, you have to prepare for Perry to play and Brown to play. And the good thing there is that there's not that big of a difference between the two. So wide receiver mainly looked at uh, Kobe White. Uh, Jeff Smith is a, another guy that they look to uh, get involved, perhaps more explosive uh, of the two. Tight end is a Tommy Sweeney kid. It sounds like a kid that might play for Boston College. but Tommy Sweeney. Yeah, Tommy Sweeney. <laughs> Our Boston accents suck, dude. Man. Impressive, uh, you know. I don't want to say impressive, but uh, guys that I could see Florida State having some having some trouble with, and the the biggest concern is the offensive line. It's a it's a veteran group that's uh, stayed pretty healthy, and all the things that you could think of or want for Florida State's offensive line, BC is uh, is a little bit of the embodiment of the opposite. No doubt. So four seniors and I think a sophomore for BC. They've all stayed together. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They're pretty physical they do a good job they're well coached it's basically the antithesis of florida state's offensive line like like florida state has had a ton of guys play offensive line uh we can pull up some quick stats here and this i'm just going to read these because not everybody's on twitter Corey clark said and you can follow him on twitter at Corey underscore clark if you want he's always always been a nice guy to me in the press box according to pro football focus of the 849 fbs offensive linemen in the country who have played 20% of a team's snaps this season. Florida State has guys rated or ranked number, ready for this? 849, 848. So that's last and second to last in the nation. 830. So again, that's in like the 99th percentile. 798. 
771, 607, and 485, who might as well be like you know Orlando Pace uh, by, by this group's standards. Orlando Pace, for you young listeners, was a, a real dominant tackle for the Buckeyes and then for the St. Louis Rams for a long time back when they were uh, still the St. Louis Rams. But So this is a pretty good example of why every Nolcast we bring this up, of how like you might dislike some other issues going on with the team right now, there may be some things that cause you to question whether Willie Taggart will work out as a coach. But if you put anything even close to the number one issue going on with this team right now, other than offensive line, you're a crazy person, period. Like, this offensive line is the reason why, if you're the defense, you have to think of giving up field goals as failures. Because you know your offense just can't score. Because they just can't block anybody. Physically, they, they can't hold up. Now, look, I know these aren't opponent adjustment numbers. They're not, and there's no way they can be because this has FSU's offensive linemen worse than like New Mexico State's and, and Liberty and Charlotte and, and those those kind of guys. And I don't think it's that, but they're probably legitimately the worst in the Power Five or, or second worst. Now, here's the other thing, too. We've had a lot of people tell us, hey, this offensive line, you know, it was bad last year, and the offense wasn't near this bad. But there are levels to this thing, all right? Last year's offensive line, man, was nowhere near this bad. That had multiple NFL players. You think this line has any NFL players playing on it right now? I got I got an answer for you. No. No, like maybe Brady Scott in three years if something if he continues to improve a lot every year. Everly's not going to sniff the NFL. Derek Kelly's not going to play play in the pros. Uh, Arthur Williams is a <laughs> defensive tackle and looks like one. Mike Arnold is, is very soft and doesn't want to hit anybody. Who am I missing? That might have been it. All right. So yeah, no NFL players. No guys are even going to sniff training camp, I, I don't think, on, on that offensive line uh, right now because a lot of them are backups, or at least should have been. But that's what they got going out there. If you think this offensive line is anywhere, ne- like anywhere near last year's, no, it's not. But Boston College, to get back on track, their offensive line is very good. And, and so this is going to be something, you know, I, I think with Florida State, you do have to stop the run against Boston College. You can't let them get rolling with the run. And yet, you have to do that in a way to where you commit to stopping the run, but you can't sell out just beyond all reason because the, about the only time Boston College actually hits explosive plays is on standard downs. If you get them to passing downs, and of course, passing downs are those longer down and distance downs, if you get them longer distance downs, they really struggle. And that was with Anthony Brown in there, much less EJ Perry. They get, Fork State has to do the best job they can of getting back to how this defense is supposed to be played the linebackers have got to be able to trigger and get downhill and, and fill the right gaps. And I don't think you're going get to get a whole lot of tackles for loss against Boston College. I really don't. What I want to see is a whole lot of Boston College runs on first down that go for 0, 1, 2, or 3. Because that gets BC behind the chains. So we, we this is a preview podcast, and we try to be pretty much fact and give you an idea as to what you've seen. We don't get into a whole lot of hypotheticals, but with the idea that this is a, a certainly a game that, as we've talked about throughout the season, you've never made a youth movement. You've always danced with the idea of uh, keeping various streaks alive that we've spent a lot of time discussing. Any idea that you could see some some different looks this weekend, particularly the defensive front? Uh if if I'm playing hypothetical defense coordinator here, I might uh, might be well aware that they're going to try to run the ball at Brian Burns. I may be a little bit creative with how I use him, uh, including seeing more of him in a two-point stance 
Maybe you see some looks where you have Wilson, Christmas, Ame, who's a much better interior player than he is an end. And just put play to your strengths. Fred Jones, I, I would push all the cards here uh, when it comes to finding ways to not letting a team absolutely do what they want to do and have the personnel to do. And that is run run the ball at you consistently, demoralize you, and uh, have a team that's kind of very much on the on the brink of uh, of maybe packing it in for good. Get discouraged, and there's nothing more disheartening in in ball than not being able to stop a team that wants to run it at you. And I would just not be not be shocked to see some some different looks with what we do, and be uh, be real curious to see what Harlan draws up this weekend. I completely agree. Uh, I wish Fred Jones was a little bit healthier because I feel like he's a guy that, that has always played very assignment-sound football, and that, that's going to be very important against Boston College. I think you need a big-time game for Marvin Wilson. You know what I mean? You need a couple plays where where, where Marvin either either you know shoots a gap or you know holds up a double, and then we have Dontavious come down and, 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 and smash A.J. Dillon for zero or one, you know, to, to really get Boston College off schedule. Get him in second nine, get him in second and eight, Hell, get him in second and seven. You know, just just get, get him in downs where play action is not as effective because it's not as reasonable to believe that they're actually going to run the football off those play action looks. Get him in downs where, where they have to drop back pass. That's the one thing this Boston College team is very clearly kind of poor at. That's going to be really important. I agree with you. Changing up some formations might work some. But the play at the defensive ends is going to be big. Who can you count on? You know, Josh Kano's been playing more and more as the season's gone on. Can he give you some some high quality snaps? Can Janarius Robinson hold up against the run? You know, on the interior with the D tackles, I'm not I'm not very worried about about against the run. And heck, I think you can probably get 20, 30 snaps out of Robert Cooper in this game if if he's going to be back and healthy. That'd be great because he's a guy who's hard to move. Now, does he move laterally real well? No, but as far as just going straight ahead, uh, he he doesn't do a whole lot of moving backwards. Right? There's there's not been a whole lot of guys who can move him, and especially against AJ Dillon. Look, Dylan's a guy who you do want to move. You, you want to make sure he's moving laterally. You don't want to have, have him be able to gas you north and south with, with that kind of head of steam. So clogging up the middle, making him get to the outside, and then hopefully your pursuit can get there. I, I, I think their their group with you know Djax and Woodby and, and Warner makes the most sense to play at linebacker. But if, if you have some Brian Burns there, maybe in some different packages. I, didn't we see that maybe once or twice against Notre Dame, by the way, with, with Burns standing up? A little bit. I mean, it's what they do in goal line, and I'm not going to compare goal line to the. Obviously, that's a very, very different idea. But uh, we've we've periodically seen some places where uh, Burns has been used in a you know not a not the traditional idea or three point stance. I'm totally cool cool for it though. If that's what they want to do. More more power to them. I, I really think you got to find a way if you're going to win this game to hold Boston College to. To a number in in the twenties, if if BC scores thirty, I I think you're dead in the water. You know, I, I just I don't think you can uh, I don't think you can match. Man, you know it would be great to be in your new home by Christmas. And with Res- Resolution Home Loans, they might be able to help you do that. Resolution has helped I think ten of our our listeners now, maybe eleven. I, I got to count that up. We just had our, our our newest member close with them. I'm sending her the T-shirt that we also give to folks when they close. With Resolution, a, a proud, no-owned business, Chad and Shannon are going get to get you hooked up with the best possible loan for you, communicate clearly with you as they walk you through the process with their Almost Home program, and they want you to be ready. When you see that home you want, you can fire. Let's go. Rapid fire, up-tempo, without those false start penalties. 
and uh, they walk through the process the whole time. It, it, it's great. 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. You want to move uh, to uh, to Boston College's defense? <laughs> yeah, we'll move over to the uh, fun side of the ball for Florida State here uh, and the offensive line that we just spent some time discussing. So BCSD, pretty pretty good unit, uh, ranked mid-20s as far as overall ranking. Uh, defense alignment is uh, a strength for them, although uh, if, if you're concerned with Florida State's offensive line is that they're undersized, and certainly there's a lot of areas to be concerned, uh, this is not a unit that's going to come out and you're just going to look at them and and think that they're going to physically overwhelm what uh, what Florida State puts out there. Absolutely, man. It, it's uh, it's this is a good defense. One thing that that we're going to notice here is that the teams that have had success against Boston College have kind of played backwards. They, they they've managed to uh, to throw the ball on first down, and then kind of break tendency and run the ball when BC was expecting them to throw. You, you kind of have to play left handed because Boston College is definitely going to load the box, and they they are going to to dare you to throw the football. And yet, man, they they don't allow a whole lot of explosive plays either. So they're kind of forcing you to, to throw the ball in an efficient, controlled basis at times. And that's that's going to be interesting to see if Florida State can do that. Every week we tell you all about one guy who will probably look like the best player in the history of the defensive line. That's the money guy, the guy that, yeah. that goes out there and – Gets a disproportionate amount of draft day highlights against Florida State. Put on film. I'm vamping here with the with the NFL draft music. You guys could just think about a defensive lineman abusing, you know, various members of Florida State's offensive line. Francois laying on the turf. Two or three more plays of the same thing. If you want to, if you want to read the Jeff Allen thing, I'll keep doing this. <laughs> so this week's candidate, uh, while Bud does the wonderful music, uh, Jeff Allen, six foot five, two eighty five, a guy that you'll be able to look at and uh, immediately identify. And uh, when he gets drafted in the third or fourth round in April, uh, again, you'll be able to be able to reference probably three, four, or five plays that he uh, that he makes from this weekend. That's right, Todd. Okay, I, yeah. I- <laughs> Brought to you by Barbasol. I was gonna say let's let's put a bunch of product in our hair and we'll uh, we'll move straight to the <laughs> NFL draft game. Oh man, yeah, Jeff Allen is really damn good. He's already good without playing FSU's offensive line. So I really think like in order to neutralize him, you would need to have one of either like great length, bulk, or quickness. If you have none of those things, I'm not sure that I like your chances against Jeff Allen. The backs are gonna have really good in pass protection this week. Because he's he's pretty nasty. On the other end, Wyatt Ray is a real speed rusher, so it's going to be important for DeAndre Francois to step up in the pocket because he's going to speed rush around if it's used tackles. If DeAndre, you know, just takes the snap and doesn't move up in the pocket at all, then he is going to get sacked a lot. And so I would suggest that he move up in the pocket to the extent that there is still a pocket to move up into. Yeah, that that is my advice for DeAndre Francois this week. Uh, last week it was don't post that stuff on Instagram. So we'll see what happens with that. They're a little smaller up front this year, it seems, than in past year. They don't have that, like, B.J. Raji type dude. But but they, they are a little quicker up front, too. So that, that'll be an interesting challenge. Florida State does not have great quickness at the guard position right now, most notably like Mike Arnold. They're also not physical. And if I had to give them, like, a Madden rating for awareness, it would probably be, like, in the 30s or 40s. So 
I know it sounds bad when I say like they don't have quickness, physicality, or awareness, but we'll see how that works. I have a little more hope that they'll be better on the interior than they will at the offensive tackle spots. They also have some pretty good linebackers on this team. I, I like the Isaiah McDuffie kid a whole lot. He, he flies around, still plays hard, makes a lot of tackles. And then uh, Connor Strahan, I think that's how you say that. He makes a lot of highlights for them as well. He's a he, he he looks like your typical what you have of a Boston College uh, linebacker in, in your mind. He's six foot one, white guy out of Massachusetts. Probably going to make a bizarre amount of tackles against Florida State because that's just what white linebackers from BC have done for the better part of a decade. But uh, yeah, Strachan or Strahan, however you pronounce that, is uh, he's an impressive little player. Oh man, and he uh, class of twenty fourteen. Yeah, he's gra- he's what a graduate fifth year kid. Yeah, so he's he's a fifth year guy. He's a twenty three year old dude. He, he's from uh, uh, Needham, Mass, and uh, Saint Saint Sebastian's Preparatory School. I nominate Connor as our Boston Co- most BC player uh, for sure. Linebacker, white dude. In his high school photo, he does the thing where like you you throw your neck all the way back to make it look like he has like the biggest neck in the history of the world, which is very key. <laughs> he also has a photo in the old school. Uh, Nike, the opening type shirt, which is from, had to be from like 2012 or 2013, because they, they they didn't they stopped making those a long time ago. And he was actually the uh, the number one player in the state of Massachusetts all the way back in 2014. But yeah, that was uh, that's him. He's very good, and uh, he wins our most most BC player of the podcast uh, this week. Here's the other thing too, and this is where I think BC really kind of stands out among other BC teams. These guys are really good in secondary. This first kind of caught my eye this summer when David Hale of ESPN was putting out his, his ACC team previews, and he had BC rated as the number one secondary in the league. And, of course, Miami fans and FSU fans and Clemson fans, everybody were, were kind of up in arms about this. And I was like, well, you know, David's not crazy, so let's, let's give him a chance. And he's like, look, these guys played exceptionally well last year. They're all back. They're seniors. They, like, almost never make mistakes. They make you earn it. Uh, and, and so – he was right. They've played exceptionally well pretty much all year. Hamp Cheevers, I think, leads the nation, or at least the ACC, in interceptions. Will Harris and uh, and, and, and Luke, Lucas Dennis are, are really nice at, at the safety spot. Their other corner, Brandon Sebastian or, or Taj Torres, not bad, I guess. I, I, I don't know. They, they didn't really pop for me when I, was, when I was watching stuff. Maybe they'll be good. We'll see. But they don't hardly ever allow big plays. So it's going to be interesting to me to see – how Florida State will be able to scheme big plays if they can't. You know, can, can FSU take the cover off this defense? And yet, can they also play with the right amount of patience? The one thing you really don't want to do against a defense like BC is force the issue because that's exactly what they want you to do. They want you to get frustrated and, and to try try too hard to do something and, and to press and, and then all of a sudden throw the ball to them uh, or try to fit a ball in where you shouldn't. So that's that's kind of the worry there. But it'll be interesting, man. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with this. So, anything else we want to talk about special teams, or we feel comfortable sliding into prediction time? I I think we can go prediction time. Yeah. What What, what are you thinking? I struggled with this. I've struggled with it uh, all day, and I've uh, I, anybody that's listened to either of us this year, I don't think we would be accused of uh, too much homerism or uh, false optimism. But I think Florida State wins a two point game here. Uh, I think Florida State wins. 23 to 21, something like that. Ingram coming through with the optimism, man. We'll see. We'll see. Gosh. All right. 
Look, I will tell you all, I think Florida State can win this game. And that's a market change from like the last month or so when I, you know, we were just predicting total blowouts. Will they win? Man, this O line just keeps getting worse. You know, I don't think they're going to have Minshew. And like at this point, you're playing like just all backups, basically. I'm not convinced that Juwan Williams can put together back to back reasonably competent games, especially not against this crew. I'm going to take Florida State 17, Boston College 23 in a really ugly game that will be of a very little entertainment value. But if they get a win, it won't shock me. I've got BC by six, not not by you know a million like we had in Notre Dame and, and Clemson. So, Bud, uh, Madison Social and For the Table Restaurant Group have been great partners for us and do all kinds of amazing stuff, whether it be uh, – T-shirts or just various ways that they've kind of wrapped themselves into the experience of being a Florida State athletic supporter and also Tallahassee as a whole. Something that they did last year and uh, just want to let our Tallahassee listeners know that uh, Thanksgiving evening, if maybe you've had uh, had all the, the fun with family that you could stand for one day, slip out. Madison Social will be open Thanksgiving night, bar only. So just uh, if you need to go maybe have a bourbon by yourself and watch a sports game or have conversation with people that aren't uh, related to you, either through blood or marriage, uh, that Madison Social's always there for you. And uh, just keep that in the back of your mind as we approach Thanksgiving. Absolutely, man. A great sponsor for us and, and an awesome place to go. So enjoy it. And uh, they, they do open at 9 on game day, 9 a.m. So go in there, get yourself an awesome Bloody Mary, and then go watch maybe a win for State. You know, you got two winnable games left. Man, what if they were to get two, two wins? We're getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit. What we can guarantee is that an awesome experience will be had at Madison Social Township in Central. Yeah, that's that as far as uh, predictions go. We do have one holdover question, by the way, from the last episode. If you if you want to uh, if you want to grab it, I have another question that might be best saved for the off season. I'm just curious how coaches prepare for weekly and post game pressers. How much prep do coaches do going into pressers? Are coaches winging it, or are they going in with certain talking points? What's the role of the SID? Okay, so different coaches are, are different on this, and it depends also on what type of presser, you know? Uh, like, I think the weekly presser is, which is, you know, one thing was asked here. I, I think they do prep a decent bit for the weekly presser. They probably are aware of certain talking points that they want to get across, and they also most likely receive information from their SID, both about uh, their own team, the opposing team, and then a good SID will sit them down and say, hey, like, as you know, this is an issue that's probably like bubbling up across the country this week or even like within your own team. Or, hey, do you want to rehearse how you're going to answer a question about, I don't know, a guy who's like under investigation but hasn't been arrested or something like that or some kind of transfer issue or whatever. So that you don't have a situation like uh, like the Mike Gundy thing, right, where, where he's kind of going off half cocked and then like threatening to ban all the media if uh, uh, if, if they report what he said and all that, all that other stuff. The Oklahoma State thing that happened about a month ago. You guys can look into that if you want. Now, for a post-game presser, I think there's far far less instruction or advice given from the SID. Most likely, he's going to be like, hey, the one thing I think the, a good SID will do for a coach is to have somebody watching the broadcast and to let him know, hey, the broadcasters were really bringing this up, or the cameras caught this. So, like, coach, you should be aware 
that like the camera zoomed in on the sidelines and they saw this interaction, right? And there's a, a strong chance that something happened on the sideline that the coach didn't know about because the coach is coaching the game. There's 85 players, I mean, you know, plus all the walk-ons and whatnot and, and however many assorted staff and polos and, and your head coach or your assistant coaches. It's really helpful, I think, if you're an SID, if you do tell your, your coach, hey, they caught this kid playing hangman on the sideline, right, or something like that. As, so just so that the coach doesn't get, A, surprised by it, if, if the reporter said, hey, you know, we saw on the sideline, or B, so that the coach doesn't come off as a liar, right? If, if he denies that something happened when all the world pretty clearly saw that it did. And there are, are definitely certain SIDs which are much better. Much, much, much better, better than the other ones. Much yeah, better. Some of these SIDs are, are wildly overqualified. You know, like, for instance, Tim Barrett at Clemson, who, who's now with uh, – I believe with the golf channel uh, after retiring, man, that guy was great. Even a, as a visiting, visiting media guy, he would get you whatever you wanted as far as stats. I mean, like that, that dude was a dying breed. Claude Felton at UGA is a, is a legendary SID guy. There are certainly some, some people out there that are exceptionally highly regarded. I, I think, uh, you know, other marks of a good SID, like, are they consistent in their approach? Do they get back to you in a reasonable amount of time if you have a reasonable request? You know, will, will they level with you, right? Like, obviously, you know, there was a coach here who was extremely hard to deal with. And there would sometimes be decisions made by the media department that I knew weren't, weren't their decisions because they're rational, reasonable people. I'm not going to go into that fully, but, but there's just certain SIDs are really good at their job. Others are are kind of less so. The main thing I think that they should keep in mind is like, you're the communication liaison with the media. Your job is not just protect the program, protect the program, protect the program. Because if, if you just sort of deny, deny, deny and shut out, uh, as as Chris Lowe of ESPN once said on their podcast, man, if I got no interviews. I got a whole lot of time to file FOIAs. So Freedom Information Act request, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's something that nobody wants, certainly. So, we're kind of going on. I guess I'm rambling a little bit here. But yeah, they're, they're definitely, they come in with some talking points. Sometimes they do wing it, and that's usually more entertaining. <laughs> you can usually figure out early on if they had their talking points figured out or if they just are going whatever. Sometimes they don't have a message they want to get across that day. You know, the SID, I think a good one will anticipate and think ahead as to what's likely going to be asked and then figure out where some questions might be Something that the coach needs to prep for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. It's, it's disturbing to me how many times that I uh, chuckled at the talks of uh, Florida State's offensive line tonight. But uh, we'll see. Uh, obviously, massive game if you're able to get a win here and put you in a chance to keep open some wildly impressive streaks and – Everything else that is wrapped around the kind of history of this program, but uh, we will see. We'll figure out how it turns out at 3.30. Look forward to your instant reaction podcast, bud. 
as always, uh, just want to again thank the listeners for all the support they've given us. Uh, we have had incredible numbers. I mean, when you think of the lackluster product that's been put on the field for the past two years, it's really amazing how much uh, support that we've received and uh, our listenership has continued to grow at a almost a, an exponential rate. And uh, just want to thank everyone who's uh, either taken the time to give us a remark on social media, uh, a five-star review on iTunes, or even just an old-fashioned recommendation to a uh, friend. So very much appreciated. This has been a great project for Bud and I, and we look forward to continue, or we look forward to continue to do it for a uh, foreseeable future here.